Welcome to the Connections Podcast, presented by the Nebraska Safety Council, serving all of Nebraska since 1961, providing education and leadership to empower people to live safe and healthy. Now, here is your host, Nebraska Safety Council Executive Director, John Leffler, Jr., Welcome to our Connections Podcast. I am John Leffler, Jr., Executive Director at the Nebraska Safety Council. Glad to have you along. Our second podcast, and uh, right now, if you've got that planner out, make sure that you you mark us down for uh, noon on June 1st. We will be back here at the Hill Varsity Club in La Vista. Uh, We're going to jump into our topic for today, introduce our guests in just a moment. Uh, but we do want to let you know that uh, we will have this podcast available for you at nesafetycouncil.org. So if uh, you know of someone that would want to listen, uh, be sure you, you let them know. nesafetycouncil.org is where you'll be able to find our Connections podcast. And uh, today we are talking um, about safety. Last time that we were here, it was wellness. If you have a topic that you would like to discuss, um, whether it's for your business, your organization, uh, be sure that you get in, in touch with us and uh, and let us know. Leffler at nesafetycouncil.org. You can let us know. And we're just checking here. I'm gonna look over at our, our producer Cam from our Herd at Media. Are we are we running live right now? Or we are we are good to go. All right, thank you. It's it's like live radio, Rick. <laughs> um, I want to uh, introduce our panel here in a moment, but what we're going to be talking about is building a safety plan. And before you turn the dial, um, part of the reason why we wanted to bring this up is having started at the Nebraska Safety Council in July of last year, my background is not in health or safety. I've not worked in those industries at all. So there's been a very steep learning curve, understanding all of the different challenges that organizations of all different sizes have. But the one thing that I think speaks to everybody is that bottom line. And when you look at some of the statistics, uh, one that I found on the OSHA website, lost productivity uh, and medical, legal, and workers' compensation expenses, they cost U.S. uh, businesses billions of dollars each year. And then you add to that the expense of an OSHA citation. And keep in mind, this is something where, and we'll be visiting uh, with our our very special guest from OSHA here in a little bit as well, but you can have violations uh, of up to 140 $45,000. That's per violation. So you can see how not having an eye or any sort of uh, real concerted effort to have an effective safety and health program can cost you a lot of money. And really what we want to talk about today is saving folks money, which leads me to uh, introducing our guests that are are with us here today, beginning with... um, my good friends from the Nebraska Safety Council, uh, our safety services manager, Brian York, our uh, uh, senior safety trainer and consultant, Rick Volker. Uh, and then joining us, I mentioned from OSHA, is Nick Sr., who's the assistant area director and lead industrial hygienist. And many thanks to Doris Burns, who uh, a last-minute addition to our panel, but I'm glad that you're here, Doris. Uh, retired Army major with over 30 years in civilian and military safety. So we're going to learn a little bit more about these folks, and we are going to talk about 
I wouldn't say that it's necessarily the easiest thing in the world to do, but maybe it's not as hard as you think to build a safety plan for your organization. We're going to jump into that. That's coming up next on the Connections Podcast. Join us for the annual Nebraska Safety Council Conference on April 20th and 21st at Robbers Cave in Lincoln, Nebraska. Earn over four hours of continuing education credit hours. Connect with other human resource and safety professionals. Attend the awards luncheon where 15 plus businesses and individuals receive recognition for their dedication to safety and wellness. Tour historic Robbers Cave and join an after hours networking event. The Nebraska Safety Council Annual Conference, April 20th and 21st. Visit nesafetycouncil.org to learn more. Podcast today, we are talking about building a safety plan. And our, uh, our special guests, we have actually four on our panel today. We'd like to go around the table again, reintroduce them, and, and if you could kind of just, uh, the, the quick, as they say, the elevator speech, a 30 seconds on, uh, on your professional career. And we start with, uh, directly to my left, Nick Senior, Assistant Area Director and Lead Industrial Hygienist with OSHA. Welcome. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say hi, and uh, it's a pleasure to be an honor to be here to talk to you today. Um, my career with uh, safety has actually spanned quite a few years. I was uh, in the Air Force for 33 years. Uh, one of the uh, careers that I chose was public health, which in turn followed on to OSHA. I joined OSHA in 2008 as a safety compliance officer. Um, my qualifications led me to be an industrial hygienist, and uh, currently I am uh, the assistant area director here in the Omaha area office. So. He's a senior trainer and consultant for us at the Nebraska Safety Council, Rick Volker. Uh, Rick, the... The third that you, you've done a lot. You and I have a, a history in radio, which could be, could be a whole other podcast. But as, as far as your background in safety and, and related to that, um, in safety in 2000, well, actually 1998, I began my law enforcement career um, in Kansas. Don't hold it against me, guys. It's, 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 <laughs> we have a better basketball team. What can I say? Um, but I, I started as that from there. I typically made the transition into um, some meth lab. Uh, cleanup crews, um, did some tactical operations, violent crime stuff. Uh, while I was doing that, somehow ended up on a safety committee for a city. Um, they say, pick me. I can see that guy who plays with that dangerous stuff. Let's make him in charge of something. And then um, after a period of time, I decided I wanted to kind of learn some more. And I stepped over into um, the private sector and, and got on with a, with a metal manufacturing company started off as their safety director and handful of years later i find myself here just teaching this stuff and we're glad to have you around brian york is our safety services manager at the nebraska safety council and uh a veteran of hosting podcasts with me so brian it's interesting that you and i both came from the museum industry and started over at the at the nebraska safety council some months back but really your experience uh goes obviously well beyond being in the museum, having a, a being in the Navy now for the past 20 plus years. Uh, yeah, John, uh, at the museum and just working at nonprofits for over 25 years, uh, many times I would kind of get roped into being on a safety committee or even being a safety supervisor uh, at a nonprofit, a lot of museums uh, with really almost no training or background. 
other than my military career, I have over 20 years in the Navy Reserves, and they've done a good job of not only just training me for safety, but allowing me to train others for safety. Uh, and it's a good thing because we work, uh, I work with a lot of the CVs, so we work with a lot of big equipment, a lot of power tools, which their safety policy always is, don't let me touch it. <laughs> well, I think that the safety plans we're going to be talking about will have a bit more detail yes. than that. Um, and the, uh, it's fourth, a good start, though. <laughs> it, it, is, it is a good start. Right. we got to stay positive with this. This is how a safety brief is born. <laughs> so we uh, go to the fourth member of our, of our panel joining us here today, retired Army Major Doris Burns with over 30 years in civilian and military safety. Uh, we had a chance to visit here before we, we jumped up on stage and, and fired up this podcast, but you've had an amazing career. I, I have. Uh, I, like most people of my age group that have been safety professionals, and I'm a certified safety professional since 1996, um, we kind of fell into the safety field. We didn't really, you know, go out looking for it, but now there's, you know, there's plenty of colleges now that have degree programs and occupational safety and health. But growing up in the industry, it really wasn't there too much at the beginning. But so um, I, I started my civilian career with Aetna Life and Casualty when, when they actually did property and casualty insurance. Now all they do is health care plans. Um, and then I went on to uh, Gallagher, Grace Mayer. It was Grace Mayer Insurance Agency. And then they were bought out by Arthur J. Gallagher as a safety service manager um, and helping all of our clients with their safety programs. And then the last uh, seven years of my career was with Union Pacific Railroad as a as a manager of safety engineering. I retired last year. Yeah, and you mentioned that it's interesting. You brought up this the education or getting into the safety field for younger people. You being from Northeast Nebraska, I believe Wayne State actually has a a program for uh, folks to get into. They into the do. Safety it's industry. part of their construction. Yeah, uh, that type of thing, and we. I'm also the membership chair and past president of the American Society of Safety Professionals, uh, the Great Plains chapter, and we have a student section in, at Wayne State College. So thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> Before we, we get into the actual, the ABCs, you know, the basics, I guess, of putting together uh, a safety plan, one of the questions that I had, uh, a few different uh, questions that I had for each one of you, and Brian, I want to start with you, and the, and the idea of building a safety plan I know for some it can sound it sounded overwhelming to me when I first came on board and I was looking at everything that we were responsible for that we're going at and consulting or training people on. And depending on who is charged, and you mentioned being kind of the, the comment of sort of being maybe thrown into it or yes. finding yourself suddenly sitting at the table and you're like, oh, I'm in charge of safety for this organization, whether it's 50 or you know, 250. Um, when you think about those who are charged with building a safety plan, a lot of simple steps can be missed. So I want to begin at the beginning. What would you say are, are the, the basics that should be in a safety plan? Uh, well, it's, it's going to differ a little bit with each company. But uh, what I've always learned is that uh, I follow an acronym, I am, is. Uh, actually, I'm in the military. But you, you want to identify your hazards. What are the hazards that you're facing? Whether you're dealing with a piece of equipment, uh, a larger production, or the entire company, what are your hazards? Uh, you also want to assess or analyze those hazards. Uh, what is the risk factor for it? Is the hazard pretty severe, but there's very little risk of it actually happening, so you want to analyze those. 
And then you have to come up with a plan, how you can mitigate or manage those hazards, those risks. Um, and after that, then you want to be able to implement those. How are you going to implement them? Go through training, uh, refresher, certifications. And then you have uh, what we call supervise or uh, making sure that everybody's going through this, making sure it's all documented. Uh, then you also want to look at emergency action. Because what happens, because we can all make the best plans, we can have the best policies written, but if something happens, what is the reaction to that? Uh, how are you going to handle that? And then you have cleanup, which it can be anything. It can be uh, hazardous waste, it can be chemicals, uh, petroleum products, uh, it can be debris. So how is that going to get cleaned up? And if you have to do decontamination, how is that going to happen? Now, a lot of this, <clears throat> fortunately, is already outlined in OSHA, whether you're using the uh, 1910 or the 1929, uh, or 26, I'm sorry, uh, for either general industry or uh, construction. Pilots? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's, there's, uh, they have, they cover a, a lot of the different equipment, a lot of the different procedures, and so those regulations are in there. So when you're writing your plan, you obviously want to reference those in there because that allows people to, to look and see what is actually written, what OSHA is teaching us to do to mitigate and to manage all of these risks and hazards. But you also have to have record keeping because if OSHA comes by, you got to show them, hey, we're doing it and we're trying to do it right. Uh, who's in charge of uh, keeping those records? Uh, who's doing the training? Who has to have the training? How are you certifying the training? How are you certifying people to operate uh, different equipment? So the basics are identifying the hazards and mitigating the risk to that hazard. Rick, you're a lead trainer and consultant, and uh, you were just in Garing yesterday doing, doing some training. And for us, you walk into a lot of varied environments on a daily basis. If you had to pick kind of a, consistently a, across the board one or two areas that you observe that give you a little bit of concern, walking into some of these businesses that we've worked with for a long time, but maybe one, a, a business or an organization that is the first time that you've walked in, what would those one or two areas, you know, to what Brian was talking about, identifying hazards, but then also mitigating, what are those two areas that you see consistently when you're walking into these businesses that you help them with? So what I generally see when I walk into any place, um, I think a lot of companies are really trying to be safe. Yep. Even if they're failing, they're still trying. But then you have your person or two. So it's not a lack of effort. No, it's, it's, it never seems to be a lack of effort. I, I, I've never gone to any company and they're like, you know what? We really hope we get 10 people injured this year so we can be out millions <laughs> of dollars. That's really my plan for this year. Right. Great marketing. Great. You know, no one's ever starting off that way. But as, as you look at different companies, unless it's a brand new company, it's generally not the safety plan that's failing. It's the people. It is that guy that's been with a company for 35 years when you're like, you, you go in to present him with this new plan or maybe OSHA's changed the rule and you're like, okay, guys, we have to change this. And the very first words out of their mouth is always, well, that'll never work. Or why do we have to change? We've never done it that way before. So when I go into I'm a company, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, why would I have to? This is, this is ridiculous. Why do we have to do this? Steel toes? Who wants to wear those? I don't need my eyes. And so when, when you're dealing with people like that, a lot of times what you got to do is you got to find that one person or two and, and figure out, I call them the alpha dogs, the big dogs on the porch. Who are the people who are really driving the program? Who are 
your covert supervisors. You need your champions. Yeah, the, the people who are really in charge, who may not even have that title, but that guy sitting at the table during break is playing cards who ultimately determines the direction of where that company is going to go with their safety plan. That's the guy I want to find. And I want to recruit him in to being one of my greatest safety assets. And once I bring him on board, you know, maybe maybe he's a very dominant person. I go up and I, and I butter him up. I'm like, hey, you know, I, hey, John, I really need your help with this. I think you're the only guy who can fix this problem. I need your advice. And all of a sudden his head inflates and he's got this great ego. And he's like, yeah, I'm all up for it. And then I use his ideas to, to seed the program. So I, I got to have, you know, you talked about hazard assessment. So you kind of stole my thunder there. So I'm going to go with the next thing, the employee involvement thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've got to have my people on board. And a lot of times these cultures aren't brand new cultures. They're cultures that are embedded. And so I've got to find my person or two. And if I can change one person, then if I change them, then they will change someone else. They can really leverage the rest of the team. Yeah, because you yeah. have that dominant guy who's always like, well, that'll never work. If I present the plan as his idea, the last thing he wants to do is have something with his name tied to it fail. Right. And so he will do everything he can to get those other guys going as well. Want to shift over to Nick with, with OSHA now. My question for you, and kind of along the lines of what Rick was just talking about, when we're working with our members and clients, one of our goals with our safety services team is that we're, we're looking to make you and your coworkers' life at OSHA easier uh, when it comes to inspections, avoiding major fines. I, that's nothing that anybody takes any pleasure and having to do because there might be a larger issue that we're, you're trying to to cut off. But a similar question to what I asked Rick, from your experience, what would you say are the biggest misconceptions that businesses and organizations have regarding OSHA and just having that more robust safety plan? Sure. Let me take a drink real fast before we get started. And while he's doing that, I, I do want to mention you had brought up uh, engaging uh, employees and engaging staff. And actually, right. we, we talked a little bit about our annual conference here uh, in, in the break a moment ago. Richard Hawk, who's going to be our keynote for that, one of his major points that he will be talking about is actually making safety fun, but engaging employees, engaging staff and making them a part of that process. Well, and, and he is excellent at what he does. If you haven't signed up for the conference, please do so because this is going to be an amazing experience. That man knows how to take safety and not make it corny because a lot of times, you know, when you think about safety programs and you get these, these new plans like safety bucks for this or, you know, the safety lottery, and it ends up being more of a gimmick than it is really a behavioral changing thing where he is really good about saying, okay, how can I change people's personalities? Still make it fun, but not gimmicky. So really looking forward to that. Nick, you're, the biggest misconception that businesses have, businesses and organizations have, when it, it comes regarding OSHA from your perspective after all these years? Um, it's interesting you ask that question because obviously I'm coming from the OSHA perspective, but I will tell you a few things that I have heard from employers. One of the big ones is that OSHA, when they find the company, they collect that money and it goes back into the OSHA office. Yeah. <laughs> and, and OSHA uses that money to, for evil purposes. Right? <laughs> For golf I want to tell you right now, that is not the case. Well, okay. you, you bought our lunch here today. At the yeah. uh, I will tell you, I probably would have retired a long time ago if, if that was the case. So what actually happens to the funds that are collected uh, 
related to fines and citations from OSHA. It actually goes to the general fund and Washington DC does whatever they want to do with it. So, but yeah, that's a big misconception. Um, another one is that OSHA has the ability to shut you down. Believe it or not, we do not have that ability to shut you down. We can ask you to stop doing something very dangerous and we hope that you abide by that, okay? Uh, but uh, honestly, OSHA cannot shut you down. Only a judge can shut you down. So we would have to go through the legal process of something called eminent danger, a request that, uh, that the judge take action to stop you from doing that. But OSHA in and of itself cannot shut you down. I, I feel that when I'm out at all these different companies and, and the word OSHA is brought up, I think that cloud of doom cards comes rolling in and the lightning crashes and the thunder because everyone is is looks at osha as a, a form of punishment yeah it, and it, it really it, isn't it, it's it, a support organization it's not a punitive organization correct you know? so the way i tell people osha osha has fines for a reason because it's a law okay what we're trying to enforce is the law of osha and without a fine without penalty what is the law doing right. if you don't have that well when do people speed right when the cops not around the only time anyone ever drives the speed limit is oh over the hill oh look at that black car sitting on the side of the road right. I, it's on the number right there sure. exactly yeah. Doris a question for you uh, before we move on to our next topic as a retired army major uh, obviously an extensive career um, civilian safety career as well what in your military experience were you able to apply in a civilian role when it comes to safety and, and what lessons do you feel can be learned or best practices that you pulled from your military experience when you're building a safety plan on the civilian side? I would say um, the decision-making process, what these guys are all talking about is part of the decision-making process. And, and in the military and as a staff officer, you go through this mind-numbing exercise of the decision-making process, but the, the start of it is define problem. And how do you define the problem by doing what Brian said is uh, your risk assessment. Um, so define the problem, gather information, and then develop your courses of action. That's what these all, all these guys have been saying. It's all part of that decision-making process. So I think that's the the one big thing that transfers from the military to the civilian, but also leadership transfers very well because the leadership is all about getting employee involvement and and getting that informal leader to to, to take a lead and getting them on your side and, and, and developing that that's all part of military leadership as well well and a lot of too and i and i've learned this just from conversations that brian and i have had just about his military experience but also you know individuals that we've had the, the chance to speak with um, that have worked in all branches. And so much of it is just that it's it's embedded because of the drilling. You mm -hmm. you you go through it over and over and over again. And it becomes it, it gets to a point where when you do have that issue happen, and Brian, you touched on this, it's not panic. Right. There, everyone is drilled to the point that they know how to handle the situation. And I think that for those that maybe don't have a military background and have never experienced that, I, I, I know you, you were joking. You say, well, maybe you weren't joking when you said <laughs> mind-numbing experience, but you clearly you understood the reason for it. Oh, you understood absolutely. why you go through that sure. process. For someone that's you know been in a civilian you know 
work environment their entire life. To Rick's point, yeah, you'll, you might have that individual that says, why? Why are we doing this? Because the only people that ever have issues or that ever have a, an accident are, are people that, you know, maybe they're not very bright or they're, they're, they're just, they're, they're, it's not me. I would never let that happen to me until it happens to right. them. Right. And I think it, it, everyone's kind of echoed it all here is safety is a perishable skill. Um, if you don't practice it on a regular basis, it becomes forgotten. You forget it. Uh, that's one of the things I, I recertified in my first aid CPR be through the safety council, uh, through our instructors there. And they just kept hitting on it, hitting on it, and hitting on it is you got to keep practicing this because when it happens, that's how you're prepared. Your mind just kicks in. It just happens. Uh, I know Rick can attest to muscle memory mm -hmm. on different things. Well, you train your mind the same way. That way, when a situation happens, you act. And when it comes to safety, if you're walking around and you see something that's unsafe, you're, if you keep your mind sharp on it, it just kicks in and you address it right then. Well, a hazard with that, though. If you study and study and study and study, one thing that I've seen, and I, and I think a lot of safety directors, safety managers, safety tech specialists are all guilty of this, where we get so wrapped up on looking at the things that we know what to look for, that we sometimes miss those other things, or we get so wrapped up in trying to take care of the little things that we're trying to deal with, we might not be focused and miss a big thing over here. And now, unfortunately, the message I told just told to everybody else, like if I got a guy up on the top cap of a of a ladder and I'm busy over here dealing with this thing. I don't see him do that. Everyone else does see him and they're expecting me, the safety guy, to turn around and say something about that, to address that. But if I miss it, but I, the message I just sent to everybody was, that is fine. I agree with Rick too on that. Um, safety culture is from the top down and the bottom up. It's something you have to constantly work on because it's like a culture. It changes over time. You, your business changes over time. You have to keep on looking at what you're doing to make Absolutely. sure it is adequate to keep people's health and safety. So I, I want to challenge everybody at this table then with, with this next one because you just mentioned the, the ladder incident. Right. Okay. And April is ladder safety month. Okay. I was doing my research, getting ready for, for us, our visit today, and I was checking OSHA's top 10 safety violations for 2022, and number one on that list is fall protection. It's the 12th year in a row that it's the top of the list. And, and I'm, I'm not being disingenuous or flippant when I ask this, but why? How, people how, fall. How, how, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, 12, we're 12 years now that people are still falling off of ladders. It's not like there's a lack of information out there. There's some, there is some sort of a disconnect between, right? What, what Nick, you clearly got some thoughts on that. Sure. But. Falls in construction, like you said, for a long time have been the leading uh, citation. But there's a reason for the citation. They're also the leading cause of death. You know, so it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. We're going to keep on emphasizing uh, inspecting construction sites with fall protection issues, you know, and hopefully at some point things will change. I guess my, my second thought is where's, where's that? I mean, Rick, you're, you're going out to these sites, you're visiting with these folks, Doris, from your, your experience, where, where is the breakdown? Where, where are we not communicating to that, that guy or gal that's getting on the ladder to do their we work? We go right back to what I was talking about, ego. Yep. It's ego. Um, the guy who's climbing up the ladder, He's up there. He's doing something that's just out of reach. And so I just try to stretch or maybe I try to hop the ladder. 
or I'm only going to be there for a second or where, where I see guys who have fallen and getting hurt. I mean, sometimes it's hard to talk to them because they don't, they don't survive. And it's like, Hey, how'd that happen? And it's like, well, you're, you're pretty dead. I can't ask you. And so um, the, the question then becomes, I, I believe it's I'm up there and I don't need that harness. It's uncomfortable. It's kind of tight. It's kind of a pain. You know, I'm only going to be up there for a second. If Which I people fall, used to say about seatbelts. Same exact same, it's the exact same thought process though. But up there, it's like, well, if I start to fall, I'm really quick. I'll just catch myself. I'll, I'll reach out and I'll grab something. And terminal velocity is a lot faster than you are. Yeah. It, it's a cultural thing, isn't it, in the construction industry? It's a macho thing, right? I don't need that fall protection. I'll, I'll be okay. And also, yep. you know, they always argue, oh, it's going to take me more time and money. Well, how much is a life worth? That's all I'll yeah. say. Pick a number yeah. between one and 10 and add yeah. six zeros. That's yeah. where you're going to kind of start. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate here for a second because this discussion is about building a safety plan and we've touched on a lot of the different the t- topics with that not every business i mean our our organization is 15 full-time employees um we're fortunate in that we have a lot of expertise within those 15 people but not every business smaller businesses has the budget to be able to have a safety manager uh, it might fall on the, the human resources uh, individual's shoulders and they're like this is not what i went to school for and now you're asking them to manage this extremely important area of our business. Now, we've talked a lot about the pointing out the hazards, but how do you engage, Rick, you used the word corny, and I can see where some people might see there's a safety initiative that comes out and people kind of roll their eyes at it. Well, this sounds like something the corporate came up with, you know, that type of thing. How, how do you engage your staff in order to make safety, like you said, Nick, a part of the culture, that top down, but to get everybody on board. Doris, what what, what are some of the success stories that you, you've well, seen? I, I have to echo, echo that even some of the largest companies do that where they'll, uh, yeah, the, the flavor of the month of their safety incentive and, and they think that's going to solve the problem. The checking about. Yes, yeah, so just saying the word safety is all we need to do. But to get a, to me, I would always recommend for my clients to get us, you know, I'm okay. You're the HR person. Now you're, now you're put in charge of safety and there's, you can't even find anything there that's already been done. My first suggestion to them is to ask for a safety consultation from the Nebraska department of labor because they'll come in and do it for free or to talk to one of the safety councils, the Nebraska Safety Council or the National Safety Council, or even your insurance agency may have free resources for you. Have them come through and do a full walkthrough, and then you can take notes about what they're saying. And then as a minimum, use the OSHA guideline on a safety program. So if you do have a safety program, I don't know if it's still true, but you used to be able to get a little discount should, you, should they come in and do an inspection on you. But um, I don't know if you still give good faith. Um, uh, we do offer those things so far as penalty, but I don't know that we want to get into that. Thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm just saying that's a good thing to do, though, is to you know use the, use the OSHA you have a template. So there's e-tools on the OSHA website, and that's what she's actually referring to. You can actually go through on a checklist and say, well, I do this or I don't do this. So I'll need this program. I won't need this program. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of CAM programs out there provided by the state consultation that you mentioned that mm-hmm. you can get online. But also on the OSHA federal side, we also have a lot of good programs too that you can get to. Um, and you also touched on the small business guide. 
what OSHA has that you can go online. And that's like, it's like 160 pages long. So it is a little bit of a read. However, it is a very useful tool uh, to get you started if you don't already have a safety program. And then if you do, it's going to help you enhance your program. So Right. So that's a nice minimum. It's, you know, it's a nice baseline to get started. And then you can, def- again, you're going to define your problems by doing that. And then you can figure out how to solve those problems with the resources that are available. I think building a team also is very important. Find those people. There's always people in every company where safety is really genuinely important to them. Find those people and build yourself a support team. And then just like the old saying goes, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You just say, okay, what is our biggest thing? Okay, let's work on that. All right, we got that done. Let's work on this. And then another thing as far as, you know, if I'm that, that HR person, I'm that person who, you know, just gets thrown into it, get into an OSHA 30 class. You learn so much about safety management, about rules, regulations, how it actually kind of works. And while you're in that class, there's always got to be at least three begin networking. And if I don't know the answer, I can call up you, John. I can say, hey, you work with this. What's been your experience? So build that, build that network, start building right away. Brian, on a daily basis, you're, you're booking training uh, with whether you're sending Rick out or Sandra, who's our, our other trainer who wasn't able to be here today. But when you're dealing with those businesses, maybe the smaller ones that don't have a designated safety manager, um, maybe some of the little bits of advice that you give them. Because, you know, Rick and Sandra, they can't be there every single day. They can't be there even on a weekly basis. They might be coming out, providing some input. But what what do you uh, help them with as far as, you know, these are the things you can take away that you can start to build your own safety plan with? Uh, when, I, when I talk to folks that are fairly either new to the position, I, I talk about where have you been? Where have you worked before? Did they have a safety manager there? Do you still know them? Because you can talk to them about it. Uh, I also tell them, you know, have you had your OSHA 10, your OSHA 30? If they say no, okay, that's where you want to start. You want to start there because that's going to teach you this. Um, do you have a safety committee? If they say no, okay, start exploring that. Uh, because those people should have a vested interest in keeping the company safe. But we usually kind of start there. I also, I talk to them a lot about what do you do there? kind of equipment do you have because uh, that helps guide on what they think they need and if they I, I, and we've had a few of these where they call up and they are they're just lost they're lost in the woods on everything i say you know what you really need you just need a consultation let's schedule you a consultation we'll send our senior person out and walk through with you and help you identify what you need and then we'll set up a plan we've done this a few times where we'll set up a year-long plan for them and now it has to be flexible because you have production and, and budgets. But after Rick goes out and walks through and identifies, here's the training you need, and here's the things you need to fix right now, they have a start. Last question for all of you. Um, I've got my, my pen and my paper out, and I'm that HR professional that's maybe listening to this saying, okay, yeah, this is something that's a goal for us. We need to get our, our written safety plan together. Um, or maybe that safety manager that's walked into a new environment and they're just trying to assess what what they have, what what's the history there. Brian, you brought that up. You know, if you've worked with a safety manager before, reaching out to them. Doris, I'll start with you. What are those, you know, three to five sort of primary essential pieces that you want to have in your safety plan? 
Number one is top management support. I, I think everybody here would agree. If you don't have the support from the person you report to, you're going <laughs> to you're going to work yourself into a frenzy and not get anywhere. It's going to be spinning your wheels. And it's been said before too. Obviously, you want employee involvement. Um, you need to have the written programs for your company and what you need, so you can be at least OSHA compliant. And the training of your employees to know what those programs are and know what those programs are intended to do and what their, what their involvement is in, in that program. Um, so you want me to give you five things? Okay. Oh, th three to five. I know, and I know, also I know that there's probably going to be a lot of, well, like Doris said, engagement. Like, But, I mean, you all come at it from a different perspective. So sometimes, you know, Nick, I'm, I'm just curious for you, um, you know, from OSHA's standpoint, you know, you talk about the management management support and the engagement. Brian and Rick have both mentioned the the OSHA uh, 30 class, mm -hmm. but I, I guess a, kind of a deeper dive into that. If if you're someone that's sitting here, I don't even know what OSHA 30 means. Um, you know, that's the 30 hour class, so it's broken out over multiple days. You're able to get that type of training, but really it sets kind of a baseline for your knowledge. What all is included in that? In an OSHA 30, well, it's, a, it's an overview of your health and safety program. It's not going to give you necessarily in depth on each and every program that you're going to get into, but it's going to let you know what you probably do need to get into. That's my understanding of what an OSHA 30 is. You know, for your employees, you could also work in OSHA 10 too, right? Which is going to give you a less of that, but it's going to be more concentrated on what they may be exposed to. So... Doris, from you, jumping back to you here for, for a second, when the, the different businesses on the civilian side that you've been involved in, what do you think is a, 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 a piece of the safety plan or safety knowledge training that is a, it's a, it's a non-negotiable, that every business, regardless of what you do, you absolutely have to have this safety training? as a communication program, just like he was talking about on the fall protection, what you look for, you see, that's why fall protection is so high is because OSHA is looking for it. OSHA does the same thing with the hazard communication program. They look for it every place they go. Uh, lockout tag out is the second one. And here in Omaha, if you have a forklift, you better have a strong forklift program because that's been a local area of emphasis for a long, long time. So, and, and the other thing I wanted to mention to people, as far as you're, you're trying to you're trying to gather this information when you you become the safety person, talk to your insurance agency, get your loss runs, know where your know where your losses are occurring, so that you can you know focus on those again the risk assessment. Um, and then if you have a if you have a trucking, you know you want to get to the your CSA stats, and so try to gather your stats. Um, to see where your where your problems are, so you can you know put a little more emphasis on those right away. La last thing for for you, uh, Rick and Brian, for the Nebraska Safety Council, there there's a, a business right now that maybe is a member business, or they're not members, um, or they're just interested in learning more, and they reach out to us, and they're asking for that consultation, similar to what Doris has mentioned. They say, "Hey, listen, we know you guys have done a lot of training." Business ABC, I know, has used you guys in the past. We'd like to have you come out. What can they expect 
in that consultation, if they're just like, we just need, we just need to take that first step to get going with a safety plan. What can they expect from us? Go ahead. Uh, they'll, they'll expect, uh, depending on the need, but a lot of times it'll be uh, either uh, Sandra or Rick will come out and they'll talk about what records they have now. What do they have set up at this time? But then also get a tour to see exactly what they do. Um, I know when they call me and they're asking for this, a lot of times if I don't know the company, I will research and find out what they do. And then I pass that on uh, to Rick or, or Sandra. Uh, and then they will help outline, here's all the different training that you would need. So when, when I walk into a facility, I use this. So how detailed do you want me to be? How strict do you want me to be? Do you want me to like, try to find every single little thing? Or do you want me to give you enough stuff to start? Mm-hmm. Um, no matter, 30,000 foot view of what's yeah, going on. And that's generally where they want to start. But it's one of the first things I'm always going to ask for is, hey, can I see your OSHA logs? Because that has so much information on it. You know, why are you getting hurt? And what I find generally it's lacerations, it's slips, trips, and falls, it's mm-hmm. skeletal muscular, it's caught between cr- crushed, you know, struck buys. And then that's like, okay, these are, these are where your people are getting hurt. You know, if, if every single person here is, you know, I look at this and I got 10 incidents on this log and four of them are because I got cut with a box cutter. Okay, we know where to start now. And so I like to start there. And then after I look at that type of paperwork, it's like, okay, let's look at your programs. All right, what do you guys do? And then where do you think your greatest hazard is? Most people, when they work in a facility, they know what they think the most dangerous job is. You know, and a lot of times what I find is lockout, tagout, machine guarding, it's HAZCOM, PPE, respiratory protection, if they have respiratory protection. So that's where we're going to start. So for, I, I said I had pen and paper out. So the, the, the top five that I've come up with, if somebody is, you know, this is a really good conversation, we do need to get something framed up for our safety plan. I have that top-down management support the engagement of staff, so actually including them in, in the discussions about creating a safety plan. So they, they, they do have that ownership. Obviously, the buy-in is huge. Well, you can actually make their job more difficult. If, I, if I'm a safety guy, I'm going to watch a guy operate a power press. I can make it to where you can never get hurt in that machine. But you can't put your materials in that machine. You can't get to that machine. You can't operate that machine. So that employee has to have some say. So hierarchy of controls is a good subject for another Absolutely, podcast. absolutely. <laughs> we will talk about that someday. The, the, other, the other few that I had here that I wrote down, the really taking a, a strong look at being a part of an OSHA 10 or 30 class, um, if you're building that out. Obviously, the communication piece. So it's not something like I thought the phrase you used, Doris, flavor of the month. It just it can't be that. It has to be consistent communication about what the values are, what the what the pieces of your safety plan and why you have, and probably reminding people as well that, you know, this wasn't something that Ann person came up with. We all came up with this together. This is a collective, you know, cultural thing for us. And then the record keeping piece. Um, because I know that if you walk in, from my little knowledge, if, if you walk in for an inspection and the record keeping is suspect, that's going to be a problem. It's been a great, great uh, conversation. I really appreciate the discussion. We're going to step away for a quick moment, come back and wrap up here on the uh, Connections Podcast. 
Nebraska Safety Council is doing our part to keep Nebraska roads safe. But it takes you to make it happen. With support from the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office, the Nebraska Safety Council can provide a free road safety presentation for your business or organization. Education and up-to-date information on seatbelt safety, cell phone use, distracted, impaired, and drowsy driving, along with assistance in developing your road safety policies. Visit nesafetycouncil.org to learn more. Many thanks again to Pam and Brandon and Chris for all their help with our Connections podcast here at the Hill Varsity Club in La Vista. I'm looking forward to grabbing my lunch, which hopefully is going to be ready to go here when we wrap up. Um, we've been talking about building a safety plan today. And again, thanks to our guests with the Nebraska Safety Council, our safety services manager, Brian York, our senior safety trainer and consultant, Rick Volker. Uh, with the assistant area director and lead industrial hygienist for OSHA here in Omaha, Nick Senior, and Doris Burns, retired Army major with uh, over 30 years in civilian and military safety, all joining us today. Some amazing input from all of you. Uh, I appreciate that very much. I do want to let you know that uh, tomorrow we're going to be on the road again, the Nebraska Safety Council, that is. We'll be down in Lincoln at Gateway Mall. We'll have our community day. Uh, you can find us there from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Our focus right now in April is Distracted Driving Month. Uh, so our traffic team is going to be out there talking about our driver education programs and uh, some of the other classes, uh, defensive driving classes that we have. And I uh, definitely need to let you know, April 20th and 21st, our annual conference and awards luncheon will be at Robbers Cave in Lincoln. You can learn all about all of our different programs uh, at nesafetycouncil.org. Our next Connections podcast will be Thursday, June 1st. We'll be right back here at the Hill Varsity Club. Uh, you can always connect with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, as well as our website to find out about classes and programming. You can just search Nebraska Safety Council. That'll do it for this episode. Again, many thanks to our guests. And we look forward to uh, talking and visiting with you again soon on the Connections Podcast. Take care. The Connections Podcast is a presentation of the Nebraska Safety Council and produced by Herd App Media. For questions, suggestions, or to inquire about being a guest, please email marketing at nesafetycouncil.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram or visit us at nesafetycouncil.org. A Huda Media Production.